This episode of Check the Locks is brought to you by our friends at Audible. Audible is your one-stop shop for audio entertainment where you can always find the best of what you love or discover something new. That's right. Audible offers an incredible selection of audiobooks across every genre, from mysteries, thrillers, biographies, and of course, true crime. And as an Audible member, you can choose one title a month from their catalog to keep forever, including the latest bestsellers and new releases. Audible members also get access to thousands of podcasts from popular favorites, exclusive new series, and this very podcast you're listening to now. Plus, the Audible app makes it easy to listen anytime, anywhere. While traveling, working out, walking the dog, doing chores, Audible makes listening anywhere easy. And best of all, Check the Locks listeners can try Audible for free for 30 days. So head over to audibletrial.com slash checkthelocks or click the link in the show notes to start enjoying Audible today. Warning, Check the Locks podcast is a true crime podcast and may contain graphic descriptions of violence, murder, sexual assault, and more. Check the Locks podcast is not appropriate for all listeners. Listener discretion is strongly advised. Welcome back to Check the Locks Presents True Crime for the short on time. As always, I'm John Connor. I'm Olivia Cornu. Saying thank you for joining us this week as we dive into yet another truly terrifying bite-sized true crime case. Before we get started, as always, Olivia, it's wonderful to see you. How you doing? How's your week been? My week's been great. I'm glad we're not waiting so long to see each other again. Two weeks was too long, but um, how are you? I'm doing great. I am doing good. Just working and editing and making it through the day. It's like you know, sometimes that's all you can do is just get through. So, but I am happy to be here. This is always my highlight of my week and getting to sit down and talk about these cases and spend some quality time with you. But what do you have this week for our short on time? You know, I'm a little low on the time here. I know you're short on time. I'm short on time. The listeners are short on time. So I say we just jump into it. This I am very excited to announce is our very first Patreon listener vote episode. Oh, awesome. We put this up on the Patreon. We had our members of the Patreon family vote, and this one came out at a 100% unanimous vote. So there wasn't even any question. So we're going to be doing more of these. If you are interested in participating in some of these listener vote episodes, we'll talk about it at the end, but head over to our Patreon. We would love to hear what you think and get your input on them. And I also have to give a very special shout out to Melissa Lasota in our Facebook group because she actually posted an article that led me down the rabbit hole about this story. And I had never heard about it. And I am so glad that I researched it because it is insane. So what do you say? Should we just jump on into it? Yeah, let's hear it. Awesome. In the 1970s, two divorcees would meet and form a relationship. And over the years to follow, the couple would leave a trail of bodies in their wake. Today, we're going to be discussing Susan Barnes and Michael Bear Carson. Now, Susan Barnes was born on September 14, 1941, and by the 1960s, she was living a seemingly normal life as a suburban housewife in Scottsdale, Arizona. Her husband was a breadwinner and their two teenage sons, but she was unfulfilled. It was around this time that Susan began taking LSD, 
mescaline, which was very popular in the 60s and 70s, and peyote with their son's teenage friends. I don't know what mescaline or peyote is. So mescaline is a psychedelic and it naturally occurs in certain species of cactuses. And I know back in the 60s and 70s, obviously psychedelics were very big. People would take this either as what they would call a button, which was like a pill, or they would grind it up, put it into pill casings and take it that way because the taste of cactus is very strong. Hmm. And I believe you could even get a liquid form and people would like soak a rag and like huff it. But it just made you trip out pretty hard. Interesting. Yeah. So, you know, not something you probably want to do a lot of. I believe it's a schedule one now. So and I believe it's very similar to ayahuasca, where it's like traced back to Native American ceremonies and things of that nature. Now, it had also been reported that Susan would seduce and sleep with her son's classmates. And word around town was that she had slept with over 150 young men and boys. So she was staying busy. Around the age of 35, Susan began to suffer from delusions and hallucinations. However, because of her drug use, she believed these to be visions from the universe. These, quote, visions would occur when Susan wasn't under the influence. And in fact, from a young age, Susan believed that she had some kind of psychic ability. Not surprisingly, her marriage fell apart and she began to reinvent herself. And it was around this time that she met James Carson. Carson was originally from Oklahoma, and like Susan, he had a hard time conforming to societal norms. He was smart and had a passion for history, religion, and philosophy. In fact, Carson earned a degree from the University of Iowa. And while in college, he met his first wife. After they graduated, they had a daughter, and they named her Jen. Carson's wife went off to work while he was a stay-at-home dad who also occasionally sold pot. But as time went on, signs of mental illness began to show themselves. Carson was growing more antisocial and would lash out in angry outbursts. James Carson and his wife divorced in 1977, and not long after, he met Susan Barnes. The pair were immediately attracted to one another. And when I was reading about this, I was like, oh, it's that chaos attracts chaos, right? They were immediately in each other's orbit and drawn to each other. Right now, it really sounds like they're meant for each other. Yeah. And when they first met, Susan asked Carson if his name was Michael. He informed her his name was James, but Susan didn't agree. She told Carson that he was Michael, an angel of God. And from that moment forward, James Carson would go by Michael. The couple married quickly, and after their marriage, they traveled around Europe together. And it was during this trip that Susan formed her own religion. Born from a combination of mental illness and drug use, a twisted, radical interpretation of Islam was born. From this invented religion, the pair adopted some truly disturbing beliefs. For example, insulting a woman was equal to physical assault and would be deserving of death. They also believed that they were surrounded by witches who used mental powers to control the two. And because of this, they believed it was their responsibility to kill them. It was around the same time that the couple adopted the surname Bear. And for their religion to grow, they would need more members. In 1980, the couple found themselves in the Haight-Ashbury neighborhood of San Francisco. Are you familiar with the Haight-Ashbury neighborhood at all, Olivia? No, not at all. Haight-Ashbury in the 1960s was the epicenter for free love and counterculture movement. If you were a flower child... If you were a long-haired hippie, peace and love, hate Ashbury in San Francisco was where you wanted to be, and people flocked there in groves. I got you. And in 1980, not much had changed. While there, the couple met a woman named Kieran Barnes at a party. Now, understandably, most people found Susan and Michael to be off-putting, 
But Kieran had an open mind. She fancied herself a spiritual seeker and invited the couple to stay with her. And during that stay, the trio continued to smoke pot, use psychedelics, and drink heavily. And at some point, Susan became convinced that Kieran Barnes was in fact a witch. After a night of partying while passed out on the kitchen floor, the couple beat Barnes to death with an iron skillet. When police finally located the body, they made another disturbing discovery. Strange symbols covered the wall along with one single word, Susan. And again, if you are listening and you're familiar with Haight-Ashbury, that is also associated with like the Manson family and the Tate-LaBianca murders, they found something very similar. It was a lot of writing on the wall, trying to incite a race war, helter-skelter. That's where all that comes from. Mm-hmm. Interesting. The authorities learned that the couple had been living with Barnes, but by the time they got there, the bears had already left town. The couple was now on the run and staying anywhere that they could. One man allowed the pair to stay in his treehouse, but kicked them out when their behavior became again off-putting. In retaliation, they robbed the man's home and set it on fire, but not before stealing any valuables and a handgun. They're like the hippie version of Bonnie and Clyde. Yeah, just with way more mental illness. Now, Michael and Susan eventually landed a job as caretakers of a marijuana field in California's Humboldt County. However, when Clark Stevens, a friend of the field's owner, said something to Susan that she didn't like, she ordered Michael to kill him. Michael shot Clark Stevens to death and proceeded to burn his body with kerosene. The bears were again on the run when they were picked up by a hitchhiker named John Hellyer. Almost immediately, Susan informed Michael that John was also a witch. Once in the vehicle, Hellyer and the bears began to argue and a struggle broke out. John Hellyer was able to pull the truck over to the side of the road and exit, but the couple followed close behind. There on the side of the highway, Hellyer was stabbed and shot to death. The couple then stole his truck and took off. However, it was spotted by police shortly after, and the pair led authorities on a high-speed chase. Once the pursuit was complete, they were promptly arrested. Now, they agreed to plead guilty if they would be allowed to host a press conference. This was a six-hour-long press conference, during which the pair shared their sinister, quote, religious beliefs. They also shared their perceived reasoning for killing their victims. Additionally, they claimed to be heroes for discarding of the world's evil witches. The couple was tried, and both were sentenced to 75 years to life in prison. Now, in 2015, Michael Baer actually declined parole. Susan was denied because she still showed no remorse for what the couple had done. Additionally, authorities still believe that the pair may be responsible for multiple murders in both Europe and the United States. However, they were never able to produce substantial evidence to charge the pair with any additional crimes. Now, this is where we're going to get into the article that really piqued my interest. So if you remember, Michael Bear Carson had a daughter named Jen. On March 9th, 2023, People Magazine posted an article about her and her life. This is actually the article that Melissa posted in our Facebook group. This was just a few days ago. Yeah, just a couple of days ago. Interesting. Now, in that article, she shared that by 1982, she and her mother, Lynn, had fled to Southern California. Lynn was afraid that because of his mental illness and relationship with Susan, Michael Bear Carson may try to locate and harm her and their daughter. At this time, Jen was only seven years old, and one day there was a knock at the door. To their surprise, it was the Secret Service. Jen, who was now 48 years old, was sent to her room while her mother was questioned by the agents. They wanted to know about Michael's religious and political beliefs. 
Apparently, Michael had threatened to kill the president, which put him on the Secret Service watch list. They also shared with Lynn that her ex-husband and his new wife were being investigated on murder charges. The couple had also been suspected of plotting the murder of then-president Ronald Reagan. Now, in the article, Jen said that she remembers her early years with her father fondly. To her, he was a loving man who would braid her hair. But when he met Susan, everything changed and Michael began to unravel. Jen shared that the emotional and physical abuse that Susan inflicted on her left deep wounds. Since childhood, she's had nightmares, depression that's left her feeling suicidal, and post-traumatic stress disorder. In the article, she recalls staying the night at Susan's for the very first time. Tucked into a sleeping bag on the floor as she was surrounded by more than 100 potted plants, but no furniture. As a preschooler, Jen remembers feeling like she was in the haunted forest from the Wizard of Oz, and things only got worse. As an adult, Jen Carson had glimpses of memories where Susan was holding her under the water in the bathtub. Susan didn't feed her regularly and referred to her as the devil, telling the young girl that she was going to hell and deserved to die. One day, Susan scratched Jen down her back so severely that it left open wounds. When Jen's mother, Lynn, learned about the extent of the abuse, she made the choice to run, hiding and fearful that the couple may try to kill them. Now, after the couple's arrest and learning the entire story, Jen began to worry that she may have inherited what she calls monster genes. And I was really able to relate to this. I have some family who have some mental illness issues. Mm -hmm. And for a long time, that was a big fear of mine. You know, it's it's hereditary. It's passed through genetics. And so I think by from the time I was like 18 to like 25, I was like waiting for the day that I woke up and was like, oh, I have this now. You know what I mean? Yeah. So that this hit a little close to home. At only nine years old, she feared that she herself would grow up to be a killer. Now, in 1984, Lynn remarried and Jen's stepfather encouraged her to get counseling for the young girl. She was enrolled in Girl Scouts and after a life of running was finally living on a normal schedule. And later in life, Jen decided that she was not going to let her emotional trauma stop her from helping others. Now, after earning her doctorate in social work, Dr. Jen Carson works as a social worker, suicide hotline manager, and trauma expert. Additionally, she's on the board of the American Association of Suicidology, a nonprofit suicide prevention organization. And just to close up this week's short on time, I would actually like to share a quote from Dr. Carson. In that article, she said, not only can you survive after adversity, trauma, battles with mental illness, and so on, You can get help and then you can thrive. And if someone is struggling today, get help because it can get better. It's okay to not be okay. And it's okay to get help because things can get better. So that's this week's story, Olivia, our short on time. I had never heard about it. I wanted to pick your brain. What are you thinking? Where you at? Well, I loved what Dr. Carson said. I always say things get better. It always gets better. Even when we don't think it gets better, it gets better. But on a different note, this case, crazy. I've never heard of this. This is wild. This was beyond my Bonnie and Clyde expectations that I had in my mind. These people were not right. I don't know how else to describe it. It really is like a psychedelic Bonnie and Clyde. And as I was going through the story, it reminded me a lot of a movie called Natural Born Killers with Woody Harrelson and Juliette Lewis. But it's this same kind of thing. It's this crazy couple that's going across the country just on a murder spree. And it's shot by Oliver Stone and there's a lot of psychedelic imagery and stuff like that. But mm-hmm. I'm with you. I never heard about it before. And Melissa shared that article about, you know, my dad was a serial killer and I was like, I have to dive in this case. And it totally 
it blew me away. I mean, it was just insane. And I was very surprised that I didn't know about it beforehand. It's wild. It was real wild. I think we should get into that deadbolt test. Yeah. Where are you putting it? I'm putting it at an eight. This is scary. This is scary, scary, scary because they have this belief system that they have made up. They have uncontrolled mental illness issues and it is just, it could be anybody. This scares me. This is like the things that TV shows are made about. Yeah. I'm going to be right around the same spot with you. I'm going to give it a seven. For me, I think it's the randomness because I, you know, I always try to be good to people when I can. And especially in like the 70s and 80s, I could see myself being like, yeah, I got a tree house. You guys can stay in my tree house. Yeah. And then I do something and all of a sudden I'm a witch and you're burning my house down or killing me on the side of the road. You know, it's people with deep mental illness and psychosis are unpredictable if not treated. Mm -hmm. And that is scary. Terrifying. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I don't mean to stigmatize or anything like that. I know that there are plenty of people out there with some sort of mental illness, whether it's anxiety or. Yeah, but when you are doing the therapy and the counseling and doing the things you're supposed to do to stay on the right track, people live very normal lives. But this obviously was multiple drugs, mental illness, beliefs of whatever and whoever they were believing. That's what's scary is the, you know, not being able to predict their next move or what's going to happen. Yeah. And I mean, it definitely sounds like at least Susan was fried out of her mind. Yeah. And Michael, I think just like got on the bandwagon. Yeah. It's definitely an interesting story. And like I said, I'm really surprised that neither one of us had heard about it before. So if you have heard about this, let us know, reach out to us because we would love to hear your thoughts and, and what you think about it. But that's where we fall on this week's deadbolt test. Olivia's putting it at an eight. I'm putting it at a seven. But we want to know where does the San Francisco witch killers fall on your deadbolt test? You can let us know. Reach out to us on Instagram at Check the Locks Pod. Find us on Twitter at Check the Locks. And if you're not in our Facebook group, I'm not, I'm not even going to talk about it. Come hang out with us. We would love to have you. Always fun interacting, getting to know people. Come spend some time with us. We would love to get to know you. This is a perfect example as to why you should join the Facebook group, because you get to find out about cool cases like this. 100%. And we also wouldn't have been able to do this episode if it wasn't for our amazing patrons. So just want to say thank you to Stacy and Lisa and Gail and Stephanie and Trish and Pam. Thank you guys for not only supporting us, but hopping in and voting. Really hoping to do more of these listener vote episodes as we go on. And if you are interested in becoming a member of our Patreon family, helping us keep the lights on. You can do so by heading over to patreon.com forward slash check the locks. We have a lot of great tiers. We got exclusive stickers, coffee mugs, t-shirts, all sorts of stuff just for being a patron. So if you want to help out and financially support us, that is the best way to do that. And if you cannot financially support us, that is totally fine. Again, just listening and hanging out with us every week, sharing what we do means just as much, if not more. So if that is you, you're listening to the episodes every week, you're telling your friends about it. Just know that from the bottom of our hearts, we greatly appreciate it. That's going to help us get out in front of new listeners. It's going to help us grow our community and just grow this family as, as large as we can. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you. That is all that we have for this week's episode, but please make sure you are subscribed to Check the Locks on your favorite podcast app so you never miss an episode. We will see you again next week with a brand new, truly terrifying, bite-sized true crime case. But until then, don't forget to check the locks. See you next week. Bye. Bye.